our cars will break down. And when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Good evening, Detroit Lakes and Fargo. This is the Vikings Territory Breakdown version 3.0. We're having some tech issues on our end, which is always the, uh, the common denominator is I'm bad at my job. Uh, that's a good way to start uh, building my credibility. My name is Joe Donson. I'm the owner of uh, VikingsTerritory.com, PurplePTS.com. Brand new sites, mini.com. It's like a Minnesota Wild slash hockey site. Uh, we have a new general NFL site called franchisetag.com. And by the time you're hearing this, which is at this rate, uh, 2025, uh, we will have another site called thedraftteam.com, which its name is sort of self explanatory live within, uh, by the time this airs on KDLM radio at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. I am joined, as always, and, and, and also at this rate for the last time by Mr. Joel Oberly. How are you doing, man? I think uh, I know the answer to that question. I feel like I, <laughs> I'm having a, some deja vu. I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited uh, to see, to hear just exactly how, I mean, we have a great seasoned professional on this podcast in Tim McNiff and he's going to have to give his take for the third time on Patrick Peterson and I can't wait to hear it it's going to be perfect because he is a pro he's, he's had some time to think about it and also say it multiple times um how you doing Tim it's been interesting oh god um I I'm not saying this for effect I've had nightmares that have actually gone better than the start to the show uh, should, about should I go put on a shirt with a zipper? <laughs> let's, just, let's just get it all out there. Uh, yeah, it's been um, an interesting start to the show. It's been an interesting start agency. That's a professional segue. Oh, segue. Look at there that. I, 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 the practice house, at least one of us. Um, uh, have you guys heard that uh, the Vikings signed Patrick Peterson? And if so. What? <laughs> Uh, uh, the way that I, uh, I preface this the first two times is that, um, uh, the Peterson news, uh, maybe was a little surprising considering, um, some of the, the lack of money that the Vikings have. I know that they move some cap space around, but, you know, um, they haven't had by all intents and purposes a ton of money. And so sending a guy like Peterson, when they've got these young guys out there, when they, uh, maybe you could argue would need more help, uh, safety position, um, considering Patrick Peterson's kind of the way his career has gone the last couple of years. The fact that as we'll get into later, Daniel Hunter is not happy at all. Wants money that the Vikings yeah, maybe could have mustered together, but are seemingly spending at other spots. Lots of ways to take it. Um, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm giving you different options, Mr. McNiff, because you've answered it a few different ways. But what, what was your take on, on Peterson and uh, signing, uh, the way the Vikings may end up using him, and uh, the free agency, the start of free agency as a whole for the Vikings? Okay, everybody went into free agency talking about the fact that we needed an offensive lineman, maybe a third wide receiver, and of course we got a defensive tackle. And a cornerback. So welcome to Minnesota Vikings football, everybody. Since um, 2014. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Thing. Yep. I was surprised by Patrick Peterson signing. I, I um, but when I, when I heard it, it made sense to me. Um, you know, pro football focus had him rated as the 13th best 
available cornerback uh, lower than Xavier Rhodes. Uh, but but I, I, I don't see it that way. Um, he is going to be 31 when the season starts. I think the Vikings will schematically put him in a place that uh, the Cardinals did not. They won't leave him out there so much in one-on-one, though teams will scheme to try to put him in that. And it's up to him to try to do the best he can to, to make it work. Uh, $8 million one year. Um, I think 5-9 is in the form of a bonus, so his salary is 2-1 for the season. And um, he's going to be sort of that coach on the field, and I, I think they'll use him on the outside. I don't think he'll be a nickel. I think he'll be outside, and I think he'll be a, you know sort of that coach on the field for those young guys, Gladney and, and Dantzler. And um, I think as far as you know, the defensive backfield as a whole, and who knows, Mike uses the X factor in this whole thing, if he can come in and take snaps at, at the uh, – at the slot or a little bit on the outside, their depth got better and their top end, I think, were better as a defense uh, heading into the season. Do you That's mean that he he's, was 13th best in free agency? Free agency. Yeah, okay. That's my figure. Yeah, Richard Sherman was sure. two and Patrick Peterson was 13. I said, who made that list? <laughs> and question. a lot of, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Anthony Harris was ranked as uh, – uh, I wrote an article about this about a month ago as the seventh best, seventh best free agent period. He ends up getting a, a one-year $5 million deal, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, Mr. Orberly, uh, kind of what are your thoughts on on, on the above? Uh, uh, Tim, you, you had told me t- uh, the cap hit on Peterson is $8 million. Yep. Yeah, that 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 gave me pause a little bit. But, what, you know, the way, it, the way it came about, you know, makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, I, there's that interesting story behind it that the Vikings didn't really have him on his radar. And all of a sudden, uh, Rick Spielman's in uh, Atlanta airport and he gets a call from Peterson's agent. who says, hey, what do you think about this guy? And, and things then happen quickly. One week we're talking about Mackenzie Alexander coming back and suddenly, boom, they have Patrick Peterson. So uh, clearly the Vikings are are excited about getting him. They, they, they move kind of heaven and earth and, and cap money to, to, to get him here. Uh, so I, I think like Tim mentioned, they're going to find a way to use him correctly to, despite the fact that he, he may have, you know, he's 31 and we always hear that, uh, 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 cornerbacks start losing in around age 32. They said that about Antoine Winfield forever, who defied that for a number of years. But, uh, uh so I, I think it, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will work out. Cautious, optimistic, but I'm excited because it, it's a it's a, it's a veteran player to help these two young cornerbacks that they already have. And it seems like Patterson Peterson's excited to be here and play with Zimmer. So uh, let's uh, cross our fingers and, and and hope for the best. Yeah, I really hope that that the, the the from that story with Spielman that they were in the market for an outside corner and they just hadn't thought of him as opposed to the opposite being that Zimmer has probably always really valued Peterson and what he at least was at one point and and Spielman gets that call and Zimmer gets all excited and they end up spending money on a guy in a for a position that maybe they didn't necessarily need because I feel like with all of his faults, Mackenzie Alexander uh, would fill the need of being uh, the nickel guy, uh, the slot guy, and he also has played in the system before, and he also would most definitely be uh, less of a cap hit because he he took you know a, kind of that one year deal from the Bengals, and I think he that was him thinking he it was a proven deal and he could get more this year. That clearly backfired, and maybe he curled a little bit and thought he might you know want to come back, but that didn't end up being the case. But um, I do think that they they. The, this young quarterback unit did need one of those sort of Terrence Newman sort of, uh, as you, you guys mentioned, um, you know, coaches on the field. I think that's great. But I also think that, you know, Tim prefaced it the way that you guys obviously know that I was going to take it, which is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, I wrote an article uh, like a week ago on Purple PTSD and the feature, like the, the main image of the, of the story is um, uh, Bill Murray from Groundhog's Day before he drives off that cliff because he just keeps living the same day over and over again. And it feels like, hey, what a surprise. The Vikings have limited cap space. They have a tremendous need uh, at uh, on the offensive line, more of a need than they've had even last year. They have, you know, question marks at the tackle spot. Now with Riley Reef being gone, they have two gigantic holes at guard. And they, like you said, Tim, they spend money on a flashy corner and a, a 
defensive tackle, which I am excited about um, Tomlinson. I am. I do think that having two big kind of quasi nose tackles next to each other, just beefy guys to clog up with what was a gigantic liability in the defense last year, that um, is is obviously important, and I think it will have a gigantic impact, an outsized impact on 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 their fortunes um, in 2021, more so than than Patrick Peterson would. I think a lot of people are hyped about Tomlinson. I think that they got him uh, at a reasonable rate, but it's just it, it, it's clearer and clearer and I keep going, I keep having these memories, a former co-host of the show, of a show that the Joe and I did together telling me multiple times the Vikings have a plan for the offensive line they're going to do something. Don't panic. They're, they don't, they value the line, blah, blah, blah. And it's just year after year, it just feels like the the offensive line is an afterthought. It's been an afterthought as it is uh, the uh, the ultimate reason that the team never reaches its full potential. And it just, it becomes frustrating. What was the defense last year, though? Yeah, but the line was 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 bad. It was worse. Than it, it was terrible. I mean, they scored. Uh, did they score like twenty seven points a game? As it turned out, I mean, the offense did pretty well. And they, they, they were still ranked twenty ninth pass protection. That's fine, but they built yes pass protection. But they built a, a line that uh, to run the ball, and they ran the ball well. And uh, they had a decent enough pass game. It was not great. Cousins ran for his life. Did some good things. Um, had had two decent receivers out there that continues to throw to. I mean, I'm just saying, I guess I'm not defending that. I'm saying they clearly view the line differently than you do. Because so the way I, the now, way I... now they're building, rebuilding the defense because that was such a deficiency last year that they figure, okay, the line was good enough. Unfortunately, they lost their left tackle and they got a hole at guard. But, you know, so hopefully they'll address it this year. I'm agreeing with you on that point. But I think over this period of time, they clearly thought the line was going to be good enough for what we want to do to get the job done and yeah. but they've been wrong and <laughs> and it's it's been the story of everything i mean i think that the fact that the the, the offense was as good as it was from a scoring points perspective or yards per game perspective shows you that if they gave cousins some semblance of time a this offense could be an elite unit b i think if we're ever going to through in well, zimmer system win well, that's the thing. I think I think that Zimmer has shown that his defense at its peak, with every pick that he wanted from 2014, all of the the flashy corners, the 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 four first round picks, the second round pick of Mackenzie Alexander at corner. You know, at one point they had a, a defensive line of Sheldon Richardson, Linval Joseph, Neil Hunter, and Everson Griffin. Great linebackers, good safeties, and the defense has never been, as we alluded to on, I probably not this version of this recording, but that you know we've never been a very mean or, or a stifling defense. It's I've always thought they needed an elite offense to, and a great to good defense because Zimmer's defense either doesn't show up in big games or uh, just has flashy stats during the regular season. And so you know I think we've seen the limitations of their team building strategy, and they're still they just keep doing the exact same thing over and over again. I mean. It, that's the reason we, I mean, you can't win. I mean, Tice, uh, Sullivan, Matt Burke, they all say, wouldn't you, at the end of the day, I'd rather have an, an offensive line that can anchor down and pick up fourth, protect your quarterback in, in really tight situations. Because as we saw, what, six well, of the seven? they're offensive line guys. They're biased. Tim, well, sure, but I mean, it's the way that six of the seven NFC teams in the playoffs last year had a top 10 offense. That's just, it's a passing league. If you want to run the ball, that's all well and good. I also think that those uh, run blocking numbers are a little bit skewed towards the fact that Cook is really, really good. And, uh, other guys they haven't picked up those same numbers uh, when he's been hurt. Uh, but I, I think that in a passing league, to, to routinely have a 28th to 30th ranked pass uh, blocking unit is clearly why this team has not reached its full potential. I mean, they signed Kirk Cousins to a deal that shattered the NFL did business. Signing Elton Richardson as of an offensive lineman to replace Joe Berger or Nick Easton. It's hubris, and it's just, it's they they don't learn from their mistakes. It's the same thing over and over again. And all all they're doing is giving Zimmer the keys to the kingdom to say, well, you, you did it. We got everything you ever wanted last time, and it didn't really work out. You made the playoffs every other year and got embarrassed every other year in the playoffs. Uh, but let's see if it works again, and let's just give Cousins forty five million dollars and then expect him to run around. It's not his skill set. It doesn't make any sense. 
So the defense was 27th ranked last year. You, you knew you were getting back, you know, Pierce, and you, who sat out a year, and you knew you were getting back um, Kendricks, who missed much of the season, Bars coming back, and hopefully Hunter's coming back. So right there, there's a third of your you didn't have last year, at least part of the year of your defense should be better than it was last year. And now you've added another defensive tackle, which I'm not opposed to if that was your number one target, but I do think they do favor the defense, but, but your offensive line, which has been that Achilles heel for this team. And, you know, your, your big move so far is re-signing Rashad Hill. Um, You know, so they have not gotten better. It has not been addition by subtraction. So I, I keep looking towards the draft because it doesn't look like it's happening in free agency. I know this rumor came up in the last 24 hours about uh, Eric Fisher of Kansas City. And um, coming off a ruptured Achilles and, you know, not even three months removed from that injury. Um, when so will he be ready? Well, that's just it. When will he be ready and will, how will he be ready? I mean, so will he be able to push off and... Stop. Jake Long. I was going to say the same. Yeah, I mean it, it's a tough, it's a tough injury for a, an offensive lineman to athlete. A heck of a gamble. So, so you get now you're getting towards the draft, and and where did uh, in the last two days? Well, he was at the Alabama Pro Day and the USC Pro Day, and uh, there was only he and three other general managers at the USC Pro Day. Everybody else, no, no head coaches at the USC Pro Day. So why was he there? You know, he was looking at one player in particular, um, Elijah Vera Tucker, who's an offensive lineman from USC. Now, the 49ers are really big on him, too. They like him for their system, which is similar to what the Vikings want to do. And um, so I, I got to believe that he is on their radar. And um, I think that they take one of these four fourth rounders and maybe something else and and I think they trade back in the first round and then trade up. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to walk out of the draft with two first round picks or first and a really early second round pick. And either they take the edge rusher first and then they come back and get the offensive lineman, which is probably the most <laughs> likely scenario knowing the Vikings, or they do grab an offensive lineman and come back with the edge rusher. If they think that person, that player is still out there. Do you, That's my um... guess. What do you think about Ezra Cleveland um, either as a guard or coming in at left tackle or flipping maybe to being the left guard then because that's his natural side? I mean, I've seen a lot of people who break down tape, period. I was going to say much better than I do, but I don't break down tape. Um, You know, saying that he just doesn't, and we've talked about this, he doesn't have the sort of uh, dimensions physically of a prototypical guard. He's long. He's, you know, he doesn't uh, anchor down as much. He's not as compact. Therefore, he can't, you know, he's much more built to be a tackle. And a lot of people, I think, physically compared him to Brian O'Neill and thought he'd be, you know, the, the solution at, at left tackle for the Vikings for years to come. But, you know, he played at a school that didn't really go up against a lot of elite pass rushing talent. So it's, it's a really... Uh, kind of a big risk to take a guy like Riley Reef, who did have a, a good individual year, probably his best individual year um, in Minnesota, which is kind of a conundrum. You know, I think a lot of guys graded out okay, especially in individual games, but as a unit, they just don't play that great together. Um, and there's a lot of theories as to why. But um, do you feel like the team, you know, just from all these, and these are rumors, I get it, but I think you nailed it, Tim, with, with in regards to the, the pro day stuff. I don't think the team looks at uh, Cleveland as that uh, guy of the future. I, I, I don't think they would have moved him to guard in the first place if that was the case because the risk of him, you know, l- learning bad habits or whatever, you know, taking, you know, a guy like Matt Khalil, for example, and saying, well, let's just put him at guard for a year that's complete you know you just it, there's a huge risk of just kind of ruining uh his uh mechanics um is that the sense that, that you guys get that cleveland's gonna stay at guard but maybe you know switch over or i mean it's just it, it is a little confusing because again i don't think he he physically work looks much like a guard no it's a lot confusing excuse me joe uh but it's, it's a lot confusing i i've never understood what they did with him 
if, if it was me, and it's not, obviously, they see these guys every day. They know more about it than I do. But just from what I know about these guys and what I've seen so far, I would have moved O'Neal from right tackle to left tackle, and I would have put Cleveland at right tackle. Oh, and I, like I would have, and I would have moved, I would have moved uh, um, Reef inside, and I think the offensive line would have been better uh, had had they done that. You would have had a left-handed team that would have could, could have protected the blind side, I think, very effectively, and and still could have run the ball well. I I don't understand. I, I I thought that Cleveland actually, and I didn't have the value of the eleven on eleven film. But I thought he did a good job when he was in there. And when he rolled the ankle and went out, the Vikings numbers dropped. But yet people savaged him. You know, like he, he said he wasn't that good. And I don't really go into this as much as you do, Joe uh, Johnson, about this learning bad habits. Or, you know, I think versatility is a good thing. I think being a professional is, is you know, you're, you're taught to do a job and you, you learn the guy's tendencies next to you. And, you know, you guys go through it together and you either get better or you don't. Um, so I just don't know why the Vikings have been so reluctant to move Brian O'Neill from a position where he's been. Are, are you making the team worse if you do that from going from right to left? He can't be worse than any of their options are right now at left tackle. So why are we fighting this? It doesn't make yeah. sense to me. I, you know, they, they, they do value uh, position flexibility on the offensive line. They have, they Big drafted time. that way. They, they look for those kind of guys. So, you know, what you guys are proposing is very possible. I'm, not a huge fan of it because if if you got a guy like Brian O'Neill playing very solidly on the right side, uh, it is a switch in technique to go to the left. Could he play it? Uh, probably. Uh, he might have some learning curve there, and it might not be great right out of the gate, but eventually he would probably get here. He's that kind of athlete. Um, I, you know, it sounds like to me the problem that people had with. Uh, Cleveland was his pass protection that he was really good as a, a run block, if I recall correctly. That's right. that, yeah. And uh, so maybe they wouldn't want to take him out of that position if, if he's, you know, cause they are a run first team and, and put him at a position where it, you know, it, it's paramount for him to uh, have to pass protect against some pretty, pretty athletic and, and speedy guys on the outside. I but but you just said it, excuse me, Joe, but you just said it. He's got athletic and speedy guys and strong guys on the outside. You know what he doesn't have? He doesn't have a 340 pound guy who's six foot two or six foot three when he's six five or six six or whatever, and he's got an issue with pad level. You yeah. know, so it, it's just that's what people push the pocket. That's what the Vikings just got Tomlinson to do. That's the kind of guy he had to try to contend with. He's not built for that. This makes no sense to me. It's like you, you bought a screwdriver and you go, you know, I'm going to use this screwdriver like, like I should be using a pliers. It doesn't make any sense to me. You, I, you I don't know, understand you know what they think they're when doing. When you do that, when you use a screwdriver as a pliers, it, when you don't uh, either have the money to afford one or you don't know what you're doing or you don't <laughs> care about the quality of the job at the end of the day. Um, one I thing that will, really bothered just, me. Just to, just to finish my point, Joe, I, I think they will do the moving that you guys are proposing because they do value the flexibility and they have not stopped from moving people around in and out of position to try to, you know, uh, find the, the thing that fixes. So I, I, uh, that works. I, I, I in lieu will. of uh, genuine investment, um, one move that really kind of uh, galvanized all this for me was getting rid of Josh uh, Klein. Um, he and Brian O'Neill together were some sort of uh, semblance of uh, a ray of hope. You know, he, I don't understand really what the, the, the knock against him was that he wasn't good, quote unquote, getting to the second level. He wasn't athletic, but, you know, I, I crunched the numbers on the three games that he missed because of concussions, and maybe that's why they didn't have him back, because he had multiple concussions. And that's, you know, something from a health perspective that they didn't think he would hold up. I mean, he hasn't signed anywhere else, so that could be a valid reason as to why. But there was three games in 2019 where Delvin Cook had a, a sub-2.7 like uh, per carry average. Everything else was at least above 3.5, but really above like four and a half yards per carry. And those were the three games that, that Josh Klein missed. Um, I, I just, I thought they were looking for a guy that can maybe get out there for screens, even though they didn't even run that many screens. Um, and they valued that over uh, anything else. And he just, he was one of those guys. He was more 
compact, heavy, and it's a, a bit of a head scratcher. My interpretation of the Tomlinson move was they clearly value this the, the beefiness now on the one side of the line, but can't they kind of see the logical conclusion of that on the other? Um, I don't know. It, it is just frustrating because I do feel like um, this this offense is the key component to this team. I, I do think obviously they are getting guys back that were that were hurt on defense as Tim mentioned. But if 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 Cousins had time to for some of these plays to develop down the field, I mean I think the the most apt quotes of that sums up this entire era for the Vikings, it was the Cousins um, feeling kind of sideline blowout from I think 2019 where you can read Cousins lips and he's like I don't have 10 seconds to do this I don't have the time I don't have it um, he's like you, you know I'd have to throw it when I have to throw it and you know again this is a league predicated on offense more than anything and so we'll see what happens in the draft I mean I, I think what? that I think that uh, it would be great if they traded down I'm a little freaked out that they lost that seventh round pick this week because uh, Spielman loves him some seventh round picks, so he might mm. do some. Joe, some I, I, I go, I go. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just think you know. I, I I talk between what I think they should do and what they will do, mm-hmm. and I think you've got a, a, a defensive minded coach who's, who who sees the game is get a great defense, a stifling defense, and a, and a, or a ball control running game to to milk the clock, and and uh, whatever you can get out of your quarterback in a passing game is gravy. I mean, I kind of think that's the way he looks at it. And so I think he will rebuild that defense very, you know, strong before, you know, and, and then the offense was good enough for him last year. Let's put in a couple places where we can, unfortunately, in the offensive line. And, you know, we've got enough talent there in, in the receivers and, and, and uh, a mega, mega multimillionaire quarterback that uh, that should be good enough. And so I, I think that's what, you know, where where he wants to build the team and it's probably what they'll do. So, and I think they did a lot of that in the passing game too. I think cousins deserves credit for, I mean, they, the way they ran, especially in the early uh, parts of the season, uh, the passing offense was to be slow and methodical. Let's have as many 10 play touchdown drives as possible, mm-hmm. which is, you know, requires a very high amount of efficiency because if you, as we saw, if you control the clock, but you only kick field goals or you, you, you can still lose despite dominating the time, the time of possession, because you're really asking your offense to score touchdowns most of the time. And they've, you know, it, it worked for them for a while, but um, you know, they, try to run this offense to to do that to control the clock i think part of it is that zimmer hates turnovers like all coaches do but almost to a fault he's still he's just very risk averse um and that kind of somehow you know can stifle this offense i mean there was points during the season where the vikings didn't attempt to pass over 20 yards until like the 40 39th minute and it's like you have justin jefferson and adam thielen i you know why why not go deep more and so you know i i am a little concerned about the continuity with um the kubiak's uh clint kubiak being there and and not maybe getting the full potential removing the offensive line from what i'm saying uh of this offense because of that risk of risk um approach uh because this despite all the limitations that we're talking about this offense still was one of the better units in the league and it could really be something really special in the right hands and i just uh clearly am at the point where i don't believe the right hands are the ones that it's in right now but uh i mean i'm sure people have heard that from me before i'm actually running out of things to talk about in my articles because i just keep seeing the same things it's hard for me to get excited about other things um you know because of that um but if if i put a uh, you know a gun to your head um Mr. Oberly, uh, and said the Vikings have ten million dollars in cap space left. I think they've some. A lot of people are saying they need about four million or so for the draft class. Do you think that they're going to make um, any other moves? I mean, I, I've seen a litany of names. You guys touched on the Fisher news. I think people also are pointing to. Uh, guys like um, uh, Orlando Brown maybe was one of the ones that I saw. Uh, I mean, do you think that the, the, they'll make any other moves? And if so, uh, where? 
I, I, I think they, they certainly are going to try. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to want to try to, you know, uh, perhaps get an offensive lineman or a guard if they can, a, a veteran, you know, uh, before free agency ends. I think they need to. There's no question about that. You know, I, I don't think there's uh, – you're not going to get any uh, game saver. It might be someone for depth. Maybe they – it isn't uh, Brett Jones a, a, a free agent right yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe maybe that will be their move. They re-sign him for some depth there, even like the guy's hardly played at all since he's been here, you know, just stop, spot duty. But they seem to really like him because I think he's flexible. But yeah. – uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think they'll do something, and or they're, or they're certainly trying. I don't know if it'll be a big splash, but they, you know, and if they do, if it's going to cost them a little bit more, it's somebody they want, they'll probably go and ask somebody else to renegotiate. And you know, who I think would be very affordable and would have an outsized impact on uh, the the twenty twenty one season for this team, especially as Zimmer likes to run it, and someone who clearly is interested in playing for the Vikings and made an overture uh, to play for them this week, it would be uh, uh, Cordero Patterson, who is a free agent and who this team has greatly missed in the kick return game. Um, they've, you know, obviously missed uh, Cheryl as well in the punt return game, and maybe they can use uh, Patterson there as well. But I feel like they the field position clearly is, is very important generally, but also in terms of what what Zimmer likes to do. And you have a guy like Patterson who, as the as we saw last year, still ha- can return kicks almost better than anybody in the league. You know, the, the, the Bears used him a lot as a as kind of a change of pace running back. Uh, a lot of, some of that or a lot of it was uh, uh towards the end of the year injury based, but um I think getting a guy like that for around the veteran minimum to return your kicks would would be great. Cause they you know they signed or drafted KJ Osborne kind of high up in the fifth round, and he you know by all intents and purposes doesn't seem like the right guy uh, for that spot. And so I think it'd be great to bring a guy like Patterson back uh, for that reason. We we need uh, some good kick returners again. I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. I don't know what his price tag is, but he already said, Vikings, call me. And he put yeah. it right, th- right up there on Twitter. And um, he's going he's gonna to be a Hall of Famer, I mean, as far as the as the kick return goes. I mean, he's his records are right up there with anybody that's ever done that. So I know that position's being kind of phased out of football. But when, when, you know, when they never really found a way to use him, and then you saw him with the Patriots and then with the Bears – running jet sweeps and running, you know, wide and even running between the tackles to some extent, you're just like, okay, somebody at least to try to be at least imaginative with one of the best pure athletes that's ever put on pads. So I think he's still got everything that he had and he's a good attitude guy. He's a good team guy, catches the ball. Okay. So I don't know what their needs are. Maybe with Abdullah, maybe that's not a need, um, but I'm intrigued by it. And, and, you know, I just don't know if they have enough money to play with him, you know, to, 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 to make that happen. But yeah. in, a, in a, in a sense, I would like to see it if they could make it work. Devil's advocate just to be on the other side of it. Why is he left gone from team to team, to team, to team? There's, there's something there that, that he can't stick around very long. It uses up his usage pretty quickly, but, uh, and it's surprising because like you said, Hall of Famer is going to set, he's tied for the, the record, most kick returns in NFL history. And, such um so i don't know i I think they just you know and when i talk again about what they should do versus what they will do i think they just made their decision and signed abdul probably and it's probably a money consideration you know i'm sure they've probably been in contact with uh, cordero's agent and found out while he's not in the ballpark so i'm sure that's running back yeah there's that and you know it was that you bring up a good point because when when they brought in Patterson as a first round pick the reason they did that was because Percy Harvin was gone and uh they had those what, three first round picks that year and they everyone kind of thought well this guy is really raw in in Patterson but he has all the same sort of skill sets that Harvin has without the migraines, and he's bigger. Uh, he's six two versus like you know I, they said uh, Percy was six foot, but I I, I don't believe that. Um, and they never really used him that way uh, in the run game, the way that Percy Harvin was sort of this Swiss Army knife. Um, <clears throat> and and obviously Harvin was was. Um, 
better as an all-around offensive player. I think with the migraines and, and the other issues that he had from a attitude perspective, uh, you, you know, he could have been something really special, um, more so than he already was. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I could I, I could see just the fact that he is such a good kick returner, but also the kick returner position being phased out, like asking for money that just isn't realistic, especially considering his other uh, output on offense is, really hasn't been there. But, you know, Tim, to throw the, the same question at you, I mean, do you see the Vikings making other moves? Um, and if so, where or who? Yeah, I mean, unless Rashad Hill is is the answer. I mean, I, I think they're just going to keep an eye on, you know, where where people spend their money, what happens in the drafts, and what happens closer to uh, the start of the season. Do they have to make a trade? Do they have to, uh, you know, do, do give something up? to to get somebody i i just i think their their last thing is going to be trying to patch together that offensive line so i i don't necessarily think that they're finished yet i think they need they know they need to do something on that offensive line is it a guard is it a tackle how do they adjust with the versatility that they have all tba um but uh, i i don't think they're done yeah um I've heard a lot of chatter about them being active in the trade market as well. Um, But we shall uh, see how that kind of pans out. Um, Some news about Kyle Rudolph. You know, a lot of people thought that he was essentially going to go to New York and and play out his remaining years there. But now it looks like he isn't really going to be able to clear his physical to be signed. Uh, apparently he needs surgery on his foot. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was kind of unfortunate for him. Um, you know, he's obviously a, a great guy, a great leader, a great character guy, did a lot for the Vikings on and off the field. Uh, yeah, I forgot that he had hurt his foot against the Jaguars uh, and that he was out for the end of the, the season last year, which I think is kind of a testament to how his final season with the Vikings went. I just He just wasn't really part of the game plan anymore. Um, but, you know, what, what are your guys' thoughts on, on do you think that that could be the end of his career uh, going into surgery, not being on a team? Uh, you know, he's still relatively young you know he's not you know 36 or 37 or something but do you think he rehabs and comes back or that's just kind of a big blow for him and it uh it's worth uh, noting because he, he's a good guy Mr. it is it is too bad uh for him uh, he left here in a classy way didn't didn't burn any bridges on the way out uh was a was a good soldier when he was here this last season even though he grumbled about it a little bit uh before he left but uh, essentially left on a good note. And, you know, I, I'd like to see him do well. I, I think he, he'll get the surgery, maybe miss this year and rehab and get back because uh, he did say uh, when, when this whole thing was starting to go down with him leaving that he wanted to play another four years. So I, I think it's in, it's a will to do it for him. So I, I think he wants to. So yeah, I, I don't think he's done. And I, I think he's got plenty of talent. He's a target with the, with the big oven mitts that uh, uh, could be, you know, uh, certainly add depth to the to somebody's uh, uh, tight end room, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's done by any stretch. I hope, I, and I hope I hope it turns around for him when he gets it all uh, taken care of and he can move on. I saw one report out of New York where they were saying that both sides view this as just an unfortunate development, and the question is now, how do they go forward? Does he go and have the surgery, and and then he tries to rehab and hope that he's just ready to go come week one? Does he try to continue to what he's been doing, which obviously has not worked because, uh, you know, if you're out in week 13 and you're still not ready to go in March, that's yeah. a problem. And you think so, it, this wouldn't have been a surprise based on that. That's sort of where my uh, He did some sort of stress was. testing. I saw that video where he, he before he signed with the Giants, he went somewhere and he did some sort of workout. And, and so I know that there was the thought was that he was ready to go. Then he went to the physical and the doctor said, no, you're not. And so they're trying to work through it. I don't think he's done. I think they'll figure out whatever the best path is forward. He'll still be wearing a Giants uniform. Will it be in week one? That's TBA. Mm. Your second opinion. Second opinion. Go get that, that valued second opinion. Do what you want. Uh, one of the things I've been alluding to uh, throughout the show in the last couple of weeks is the 
Daniil Hunter situation, right? And and how he's increasingly reportedly unhappy. All options are on the table now, uh, including you know sitting out or uh, requesting or demanding a trade. Um, you know, it, it does feel kind of like he's. You know, again, and you guys, you guys do put this in perspective a lot. We don't know what's going on, right, With behind the scenes or otherwise. And this could be a negotiation tactic uh, by him and his agent. It did feel like after that Spielman uh, kind of debate came out where he was like, oh, no, well, you know, we're working on it. And Hunter hasn't asked to be traded. He hasn't asked to be paid the highest defensive player in the league. And then after that, we got some of that uh, Twitter action or Instagram action by Hunter, and then we didn't hear anything, and then about a week later, we hear uh, all options are on the table, and he's very unhappy. Um, you know, I honestly, my initial thought this offseason was that they're going to try to clear up as much cast as possible to rework his deal because he's just too young and too good to uh, let go uh, regardless of the situation with his neck, speaking of medical second opinions, but it feels like, you know, with all the moves they're making and the fact that they have, you know, about $10 million left, and granted they can always, you know, find more, that none of this really points to giving Hunter the sort of deal that he obviously wants or would get elsewhere, neck notwithstanding. Uh, Tim, I mean, do you feel the same way? Like, I just get a feeling that like this is not going to end well, and it's it's kind of becoming more and more evident as the days go on, and we're not getting any sort of updates in, in that regard. I think that the reports were that they had their first quote unquote conversation, the agent for Daniel Hunter and uh, Rick Spielman, just this past week, and so I think the message is sit tight. You know, just trust the process that we're going to get this thing taken care of. I think he's got them over a barrel. I think they're going to pay him something up there. It's going to be a Dalvin Cook situation where ultimately they'll find a way to work the money around. Brzezinski will do his thing and he will get paid right up there at the top defensive ends in the game. And he should. If he's healthy, he should. Because there's this marriage that has to happen. If you want to have that defense, you got to be able to pressure the quarterback and pressure the quarterback. You got to be able to cover the receiver. You want the quarterback to hold the ball. And, and, you know, he's good at getting to the quarterback. They've got the inside guys. They already know they can push the pocket. And that, that means big things for him. I mean, I, I really do. And yeah. so I think it's they get another edge rusher in the draft. Cause I don't think that other guy, at least from an everyday pers- every down perspective is on their team right now. And I know they'd like to address that. They tried that in free agency and it didn't work. So right now, as much as you hate to hear it, they're not done thinking about that defense. It, I did see that note about, about um, <clears throat> meeting with the agent this last week, and it's a little strange considering some of the things uh, that I prefaced the question with, which was Spielman saying, well, yeah, you know, everything's good. We're working on it. He's not requesting a trade. He's not doing this or that. Uh, I mean, that could technically be true because he, if they're not talking, he's not doing any, any of those things. Um, but I, I think tying it to Dalvin Cook is 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 apt in more ways than just one because there's always there was the concern with with Cook of you know tying yourself to a guy who has been hurt. You know, Daniel Hunter has isn't. Uh, a Dalvin Cook in the sense of he's been healthy for most of his career. Uh, he's just had that really, you know, awful started out as a quote unquote tweak and turned into this nigh uh, career ending injury. So there's a huge risk of, you know, giving him guaranteed money and then um, his neck not working. I mean, it, just, it is like you said, being over a barrel in every sense of the word. It's it's scary. Um, but so far, the Dalvin Cook thing obviously has worked out, uh, and so. You know, he's got the best people in the world working on his neck. I'm sure that'll be fine. But it is a little scary to be tying the the fortunes of your team for the next half decade to a guy who, you know, has that injury at that position. I mean, right, Joe? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't even a couple weeks ago, wasn't a report, maybe I'm uh, com- conflating these, but that Zimmer went and talked to Hunter. I thought I read that somewhere. As yeah, well, I remember that. And, and we all know what happened when Zimmer went down to Texas to get Adrian Peterson. So, you know, it's <laughs> all you need to know. No, I, I, uh, I, I, my thought when, when he does that, when he goes, coach goes and talks to him and says, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to get him signed. And I think they will. 
Um, I, I, you know, it's going to take some more rejiggering of the uh, uh, sour cap and such to get it done. But uh, yeah, you have to, I think you have to uh, hopefully, I mean, he didn't play last year. He, he must, this, this neck must be in better shape by now. I mean, he's had the whole season off to, to figure it out and, and now the whole off season. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it all works out for him, but uh, uh, yeah, because there's no question. I think if you don't have him uh, on that, front line next year everything you do on defense is kind of well it just it's tainted to a degree and it's just not the same it's not going to be as good you know they're yep. you're you're settling for for something less than you should and and so they, they've got to get me here and i think they will yeah uh, it, uh there were points i mean right before the season started when the super bowl hype for the vikings the 2020 vikings which is kind of funny in retrospect um was at its peak was when they signed, they traded for uh, Ngakwe and people were like, oh man, him, Daniil Hunter, Michael Pierce, you know, I think he hadn't opted out yet or maybe he just had, but the, the people were just like, whatever. Uh, the idea of that unit together was really enticing and I think the same, as you guys have said, uh, extends to um, the moves they've made on the interior of the line, and it just wouldn't uh, be as great without him on it. Uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, like like you guys said, the 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 other answer on the other side, you know, DJ Wanham, I think, did okay, but he, it's not one uh, percent of the of what Daniel Hunter could do or up to the standard, I think, of what they wanted. So I think they are going to make a a move in the draft. I'm hoping um, Tim's right, and they do to trade down and get multiple first round picks especially depending on i mean i wrote an article about the milk hyper thing where they could you know trade up and get the 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 uh, that uh, number one uh, lineman in the in the draft uh what's the name from oregon uh, uh, the simone guy uh, I, I can't pronounce I it so I, oh either way i saw uh, the piece too yeah but the name's not coming to me uh, it's like pat's Sinai or certain no, no <laughs> somebody else. Uh, either way the people get what i'm saying um I, I i don't foresee that happening i also don't see the vikings trading up and giving up the capital that it would require uh to get from 14 to 9 um i you know i, I just don't see that happening i, I don't either i see it more likely chance. moving back or taking one of those fourth rounders and moving back into the second you know or, or, mm-hmm. or back into the first and you know i, I think it's you know, a quitty pay or somebody that's going to rush the quarterback, you know, uh, maybe it's not him, but it's somebody that's going to rush the quarterback is going to be that first player taken. And then they'll come back and then they'll grab the uh, offensive lineman later. I'd like, I'd rather see it flipped, but history tells me that's what they'll do. That's that's kind of what I was getting. I don't know how much more time you have left in this whole thing, Joe, but uh, before we run out of time, one guy I didn't see on your rundown. I think we just got to talk about this because this has been the biggest story of, of free agency. I mean, before free agency even started, you know, Deshaun Watson put it out there that uh, you know mm. he wanted to be traded. Mm. He wanted to go someplace else, mm. and and you know how this was going to reshape, you know, the NFL. And now comes word that as of yesterday afternoon, sixteen lawsuits have been filed against Deshaun Watson, accusing him of uh, sexual assault or inappropriate behavior. All of them dealing with massages, 14 of them in and around the Houston area, all of them, uh, except one, I think, was at his home. But these women are telling a remarkably similar story. And the the um, word that's or the term that's being attached to Deshaun Watson now is serial predator. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, you, you hate to convict someone before they have, you know, their, their time in court. But... He's retained an attorney down there by the name of Rusty Harden, who's been involved in some very big cases and is a great attorney. But this this Busby guy who's filing these lawsuits, these women keep coming to him, and he keeps saying he's got all this evidence and, and it, it's coming. Um, so we we haven't not the other shoe hasn't dropped yet. Uh, but this this I don't know how Deshaun Watson goes anywhere after no, this. No, that there's no way. Um, when you were um, when I was talking about. Um, Daniel Hunter, and I was thinking about some of the other big stories um, from this offseason, and it's just it's such a remarkable turnaround in in what people were saying about him 
uh, these trade deals, you know, um, I, I don't know how much teams, uh, whether it's the Texans or other teams, maybe were aware of this. But I mean, can you imagine? This is not the important thing, and I'm not, I'm not saying it is. But um, you know, if, if a team would have mortgaged their future and given up what people said he essentially would take to trade for him, and then this news comes out directly after that, I mean, he's not going anywhere uh, except for perhaps jail, uh, perhaps. I mean, but I will say that I um, used I I was friends with a girl uh, a few years ago who used to be a masseuse for an NFL franchise, uh, not the Vikings. And, um, I was like, oh, that's, that's, I didn't know that. Like, I wonder if there's any stories there. And essentially her take on it was, I would rather not revisit it because it was an awful, I, I, I got out of that trade specifically because of how I was treated, uh, it, from that perspective. Um, and so I don't, no, uh, I'm, I'm not conflating anything, but I think that there's this kind of stuff maybe happens more often than we're aware of, or we're becoming increasingly aware of. And, and so I think it is important, like you said, Tim, to not convict people uh, in the court of public opinion. But, you know, typically my rule of thumb is if you have multiple non-connected people who are telling, like you said, strikingly uh, amazing stories, um, you know, the, the, where there's smoke, there's fire, at least in that regard. And I think that the, the number one focus for him uh, should is going to be, you know, uh, not just lawsuits, but perhaps criminal um, uh, prosecution. And that, you know, we could be really seeing the end of a career that was on the precipice of what we've talked about all off season, you know, three, four first round picks, so on and so forth. It's just, it's just uh, an astounding turn of events. It's really sad. It, it's a terrible mess. You know, it's I, for, for Watson, it couldn't be a, a perfect storm uh, of, of greater tragedy. I mean, he's, he's coming out wanting to get traded and, and write his own ticket. And now someone's going to, Write a new write a new uh, chapter for him, so it would seem. So it, it's 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 terrible. I I don't know. We don't know anything about it yet because nothing's been uh, litigated or charged or indicted or anything yet. I just it's all talk at this point, I guess. And um, uh, we live in a new age where it uh, this apparently happens, and I hope we're not becoming inured to it because it's mm-hmm. it's it's a terrible thing and. Uh, I don't know. I don't even like to talk about it because it's 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 so disappointing. You know, you think it, we are in the Me Too age, and we should be more aware of these things. That this is it's not cool to do if if in fact it has happened. And and uh, 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 you just you can wreck yourself. You can wreck lives and wreck your own career and do such things. It's just it's just bad news all the way around. Hate to hear it. Uh, it's, there's one thing human history has shown. It's that you know power people handle power in different ways and it's usually not in the best of ways i think uh the bill murray quote in regards to chevy chase and how everyone hates him uh is that you know when you get famous there's a two-year period where you're a complete a-hole and i'm cleaning that up for radio and if you don't pull yourself off of it then you're kind of stuck that way. Um, and I think that there's part, I mean, the, uh, the, the hubris of, you know, demanding a trade and, and not expecting some of this stuff to, stuff to come to light because you're beloved by everyone of wherever. It just seems to be kind of the story of the last couple of years. And uh, as women listening to the show will attest uh, every year since the dawn of time. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's astounding. I mean, it's, it, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's uh it's crazy um we have a few minutes left and i wanted to kind of touch on a a story that that tim wrote uh about a week ago and it was about the same day as the last show but um you had a a really really great story that i believe i have to double check i think it's on purple ptsd um about your time in the 90s uh with a former minnesota vikings offensive lineman and Dave Huffman, who I think a lot of uh, fans aren't super familiar with, or at least on a, a household name basis, but who was a, kind of a, 
monster uh, of the in a good way of the the team. You know, a big personality, a big uh, force on the field, off the field, in media, so on and so forth. Yeah, he was a guy who had uh, played with Joe Montana at uh, Notre Dame, won a national championship, was an All American. Vikings drafted him. He went to the USFL back in in that time, and then uh, made some Steve money Young there. Style. And then, yeah, right. And then came over to the Vikings, and never was a long term starter. Was kind of a swing player on the offensive line. Could play multiple positions, and uh, did that, and had a, you know a decent NFL career. And at the end of his career, stuck around the market, and was on K Fan and its original uh, days. Was a host along with Randy Shaver of a program that was very popular. He was uh, you know on the Tom Bernard show quite a bit. So. When I first started at CARE, they bought the rights to become the official Viking station. And as such, we did five uh, preseason games. Don't call them exhibition. Five preseason <laughs> games. And um, so I was the on-field um, sideline reporter. Huffman was the analyst and Randy to play-by-play. And so we, we, we traveled together. And um, the first time we, we, we did this, we did a Patriots game uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. And... We went to dinner and dinner was fun and he was engaging and, you know, held the table. And then on the way to the bar, we we're going to go out. So we start walking through and he's walking down this kind of this hallway that connects the, the bar to the restaurant. And he, without breaking stride, telling a story, reaches in, grabs this terrarium, which has a live mm. plant inside it and still walking, turns it over and dumps it into a, like a larger plant. And I'm, what is he doing with this terrarium? Still talking, walks up to the bar, puts the dirty terrarium down on the bar, orders a drink. He wants a Manhattan or something, and he wants it in the terrarium. <laughs> and and I'm thinking we're going to get tossed out. You can see the bartender was not real thrilled by this, but Huffman was a you know six six three hundred thirty pound guy, and he had a gift for gab. And then the guy starts washing out the terrarium and gives him the drink, and the whole night goes on like that. Him carrying the terrarium from bar to bar and <laughs> refilling this thing, and I was like, oh my gosh! So every time we would go somewhere, that's what it was like. And he he went down to a regular season game in Tampa where I was down there. And long story short, there was two guys there who were about my size and my age, which means they're under six feet tall. They're in their early 30s and moderately athletic, but were were harassing Huffman all night long about how he was overrated and he stunk and they were better than he was. And he was lucky he had any NFL career and they could beat him on a pass rush if they wanted to. And they wanted to. And apparently this is something that. Yeah, they were they were there as guests of a Viking staffer, and this had been going on for some time, I guess. So, long story short, the story is about the fact that at the end of the night, it's pushing two or maybe past two o'clock in the morning, and it's been a long night, and lots of alcohol has been consumed. These guys decided they wanted to have their moment past rushing a former Viking, and this it. is why you don't do this. And um, yeah, it's, it, it it did not go well for those two. I'm surprised. <laughs> First of all, I, I you know I, I I've um, I wonder how often they deal with that. Uh, I, I'm sure they in today's day and age you hear a lot. They get a lot of guff on social media. I mean, I can't imagine being any level of uh, famous in any sense of the of the word uh, and dealing with social media. I mean, I. I think people are starting to I recognize my my stories a little bit. So, like, I'm getting a lot of the same consistent criticisms on social media. So then that's like 0.001% of what I think people uh, actually deal with, uh, professional athletes. But I can't ever imagine, and that's why I wanted you to tell such a tell the story, being the type of person who would think that – and I'm a larger human being, you know um, – I could take on a guy who is six six and who can Andre the Giant style consume levels of alcohol that may you know cripple a uh, a Russian infantry or something. It's just that story to me is is so amazing and it's one of the things that I you know I want to keep you know reminding people of you know some of the great stuff that that uh, working with guys like you and, and Joe um, bring. And that's the, you know, there's all these amazing stories from, from, you know, f- uh, years past the old- that the, exactly. I'm trying to put that in. I, I'm getting back to the knocking on heaven's door, uh, original joke uh, from episode or version 1.0 of this episode. But, you know, there's just a rich 
culture of, of larger than life life personalities. I think we saw that this week with I think Randy Moss was either in town or or with uh Tommy Kramer. I don't know. I don't think he lives in town Kramer. I mean me and Joe met him and he seemed to be up north from somewhere in the south because that's where he's from. But you know the Randy Moss discussing his now kind of beloved mooning of Lambeau Field in a really kind of, I don't know, I, I, I'm amazed by the the rehabbing of an image that Moss is this gregarious media personality yeah. now, and I think it's best summed up by that story because I remember that story being, when that happened, that was a gigantic controversy, and I always, I mean, you guys may not agree with this, but it always made me loathe Joe Buck because I felt, I felt that that was a very... Um, disingenuous overreaction. overreaction that he's stuck with but to this day. I, I had a, a memory of him kind of backpedaling it, but I was as I was writing about it uh, this week, you know, he said I got a lot of letters from parents who said thank you for expl- describing it the way so I didn't have to explain it to my sons, which is like, why are you relying on Joe Buck to uh, explain the birds and the beast to your son? Um, but I felt like it was tied in with, you know, some of the, the, the Super Bowl overreaction as well, uh, some T.O. stuff. But hearing Moss tell that story and giving you know the the uh, context to it, which some people did know about, you know, they had it coming. They've been mooning, and I, I you know, I, I again, and I just preface this by saying I'm a larger person, but I can't think of uh, a more harsh punishment than seeing multiple Packers fans moon you. I mean, there's <laughs> there's all sorts of there's high cholesterol diets. There's um, mobility issues i just uh, yeah i'm uh i can't imagine that but it's you know that's part of the fun of football that's why i love it i love the rivalry stuff i love stories like the one you've told uh and written about tim that you've been writing about for us and i think it's all part of the fun you know so i think it's uh well worth revisiting and remembering uh you know because i think some people take things a little too seriously and it may seem like when you're you know bashing packers fans you were also taking it seriously but i think it's kind of part of the fun of it i could be i could be wrong but you know the only reason we hate green bay or, or green bay wisconsin in general is that they have the nerve to reside to the east of us that's it hmm. if we were well, from there we would think fun. the exact same thing about <laughs> minnesota there's really no difference and, and so it's uh it's it, you know outside of like philadelphia where you, you know you get emails from the actual vikings saying before the playoff game don't wear purple you might you know i think the word was the term was grievous bodily harm and i was like okay that's a little it's taking a little bit too far but outside of that i think these stories are all really really uh great and fun you know that point you made about this this wonder how often this kind of thing happens when guys are challenging mm. professional athletes well i kind of did it myself once yes um, <laughs> I was when I worked for the Timberwolves. I was on a caravan down in Mankato, and I did it on a different realm. Though I, I can't remember his name. It was it was uh, a Kevin reserve Gardner. player. No, a reserve player for the Timberwolves, and not a big name. But we were just standing around chatting, and I and I asked him to dunk on me. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I just said, "I this way." He goes, what? and I said, "Yeah, I want you here's ball. Just go up and dunk on me. I'll try to guard you." And, and and this this way, I can say I've been dunked on by an NBA player. So you know that was the only reason for doing is that it. Why, is that where your knee problems stem from? No, no, no. I, I I didn't play much defense. I just basically stood there while he jumped up and slammed the ball over my head. So it was, it was a a joke more than anything. Yeah, but that's yeah. I mean I could see that. I could also see you know uh, especially basketball having the uh, I'm trying to think of what comedian. Oh, it's from the movie uh, Trainwrecked. With Bill Hader and LeBron James is, is in it as an actor and also, a, but he's playing himself. And he, uh, Bill Hader plays a orthopedic surgeon, and he find they play one on one all the time, and he finally get the jumper, just a lucky jumper over LeBron, and he's like, "That's it, I'm done. I'm re- I, I now I can say that I hit a jumper over LeBron." And LeBron's like, "No, come back." You know, he's all mad about. It. He's like, "Never, I'm, we're never playing again." Uh, I this I'm gonna you know go to my grave with this. So in terms right. of basketball, I could totally see that because you can have that one lucky jumper as opposed to a guy like Dave Huffman who could literally kill you uh, inadvertently, especially yeah. after drinking a terrarium full of alcohol. What what a great oh, the, the dumbest great thing story. in my early 30s. The, the dumbest thing in my life I had ever seen was that first guy try to pass Rush Huffman, and then that was raced by the the dumbest thing I had ever seen. The in my second life was his, guy? his buddy tried it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like all of us were like, 
No, you just look. Your buddy's still on the ground. He can't get up. He's uh, writhing in pain. You know what? What are you thinking? And he had to go. So he had to have his go. And man, uh, it was man. a yeah. I remember Charles Barkley threw a guy through a plate glass window. Yeah. So that was one of my first are, memories of Charles Barkley. Uh, they're as professional a, as a, athletes for a reason. Totally, and you know these these. Uh, uh, these guys, it's 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 hilarious. Uh, either way, I think the good way to to end the show, and actually, I was going to make a joke to both of you that we weren't uh, that we were having tech issues and we had to start over, but I I, I did not want to hear your response. I was afraid <laughs> I of was it. Ask. <laughs> so look at that, we made it. Uh, I want to thank everybody in the Fargo slash Detroit Lakes area for listening to our show. I want to thank everybody at KDLM Radio for airing it and i want to remind everybody to check out purple ptsd vikings territory mini ice uh franchise tagged and the draft i swear within a month this will all make a lot more sense and it'll be a lot easier to find all of these websites so i don't uh turn blue in describing their names each week uh but thank you to uh tim mcniff and joe Oberly for being on the show in general but especially to this is this is one for the record books, fellas. And Joe knows the record book, uh, especially during the time at the Mermaid, is uh, an interesting one. So thanks for hanging in there and getting this show done. And we will be back next week. This has been the Vikings Territory Breakdown. School. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV and less repair bills plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV and less repair bills plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.